Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The average home today costs somewhere between $200,000 and $400,000 to build. What if there was a better way? What if you could build your house out of materials that people were throwing away? They were free. That's one of the driving ideas behind an Earthship. And that's why Annie and Jay built one for their family to live in. You build out of trash, yeah, which I've been a recycler things. forever. Yep, you heard that right. You build a house out of trash. We have some bottles that we picked up. And that's what my guests in today's episode did. They built their family home out of garbage. And because it's a podcast, I have to tell you, it's beautiful. I'm Annie Warmke from Blue Rock Station and Warmke Farm. And I'm Jay Warmke from the same place. Blue Rock Station. That's where we're headed to today to talk to Annie and Jay all about their Earthship, the home that they built out of tires and beer cans. We're also going to learn about other sustainable building practices, including the most important one, which is building a sustainable life, which is what Jay and Annie have done for the last 30 years here at Blue Rock Station. You're gonna learn so much in this podcast. The road is rocky. This episode will for sure help you make home steady. Just a quick reminder that this is actually the edited version of the full length episode, which can be found in the Pioneer Library. Jay, Annie, and I talked for about two hours. If you're a Pioneer, you don't wanna miss any minute of that discussion. I'll have a link in the description of this episode that'll take you right over to the Pioneer version. If you're not a Pioneer, I'll have a link in the description below where you can become one. Heads up, this is the last month you're gonna be able to be a Pioneer for just $5 a month. If you sign up in the month of February, 2023, you can become a Pioneer for five bucks a month. Lock in that price. It will not go up in March for you, but for everybody else, the price is going up in March. So if you have been thinking about becoming a Pioneer, Now's the month to do it. Lock in your price, five bucks a month. You'll get access to all the commercial free extended versions of our podcast, as well as our classes, videos, discounts. There's so much. Click the link below to learn more about being a pioneer and don't wait till March. Price is going up. All right. You want to give the introduction to Blue Rock? Oh, no, you go for it. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of hard to define because Blue Rock Station is a sustainability, a sustainable living center that at its core, um, but it's mostly our lives and and then people come and observe uh, what we're doing. It, it began with uh, the building of an earthship and then it's evolved from there where where we've done other straw bale buildings and, and agricultural experimentation and lifestyle um, demonstration. And then we moved into solar energy. And uh, so there's a lot of aspects to Blue Rock Station, but mostly it's it's the two of us just existing in, in hopefully a, a pleasant and sustainable way. Yeah. 
Well, we'd like to say that what we decided from the beginning uh, in our mission statement was that the mission statement is still the same thing. It says we will respect, reduce, reuse, repurpose. We will have fun and we will not work for someone else. And that has been a huge guide, uh, especially the we will have fun because there have been times when I announce I'm not having fun and that has mixed things up quite a lot because I'm sticking <laughs> to it because I could go on strike and, we, and Jade be in trouble. So <laughs> when we were first together, um, Jay wanted to get married. So many eons um, 40, ago. 41 years ago, <laughs> Jay wanted to get married. And I was like, no, I tried that. I'm not, I'm not good at it. And he said, no, 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 it'll be fine because you're marrying me. <laughs> it'll be cool. And, yep. oh, you, you want more kids? We'll rent a couple, you know, and because uh, I had all kinds of reasons why, why we couldn't get together. But anyway, um, so I said, okay, let's do this. You write down three things that are your goals for your life, and I'll write down my three things, and we'll exchange them, and let's see how, how that goes. So what, what did you write? You might think this couple who lives in an earthship and teaches about sustainability Maybe their goals for life were something about world peace, saving the planet. Yeah, my goals were I want a Mercedes 350 SL red convertible. Um, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 40. And I, I want think it to, was 35, okay, actually. Well, it was aggressive. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I want to travel the world and learn other languages. So those were, yes. those were mine. And, and to be, to be fair, he wasn't very far off base because he grew up with wealth and he, you know, he just assumed that's where he was going, but then he had the mishap <laughs> to <laughs> fall in love with me. And I'm saying, I don't want to get married. W women are the root of most problems. I, would have. <laughs> I think the woman in your life has been the root of much happiness. And the solution. Oh, yeah, there problem. you go. He saved uh -huh. himself uh, there. Right. Permaculture principle. The problem is the solution. So, 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 so anyway, yours, yours. so mine, mine was that I want to um, have a house with laughter in it. And I want to have the ability to go to the store and buy what I need. And I want to travel. Well, you wanted a car that ran. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't put travel. <laughs> I did want to travel, but it was, I wanted a car that had, uh, you know, good gas mileage and was dependable. These right. are the roots of all things you so, must work from. And he looks at me and he goes, I was afraid to exchange them because I couldn't imagine. I didn't know what a Mercedes thingy Dewey was anyway. But he, so he says, um, he says, oh, is that all you want? And I said, this is, this is going to be easy. And she goes, no, this is the hardest of all. Well, this is going to gonna be the hardest to thing. A, a house things. filled with laughter to have enough. And, and I think that was one of the lessons I had to learn over the years is, is the sense of, I had always grown up. I mean, I was an American. I was born in suburbia. I believed Wonder Bread built strong bodies 12 ways, you know, and the president never lied. And, and um, McDonald's was a wonderful corporation and, and all of these things. And, and I've had to learn the difference between what is enough and, and, and what is too much. And like the difference between us, or, or I'll say me in this case, and, and someone like Bill Gates um, is that much. It's such a tiny bit, you know, it's like- He puts he's his got pants a, on one well, leg at a time. He, he's got a house, I've got a house. He's got a car, I've got a car. He's got enough to eat, so do I. Um, but the difference between me and a person living on the streets is the Grand Canyon. The difference between having enough and once you're there, that's it. That's, that's what you need. The rest is all how to enjoy the person that you're with, mm -hmm. how do you develop your relationships. And, and so what we've been looking at is how do we live a lifestyle that is enough 
and 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 not too much. He did not come to this easily. <laughs> it um, was 40 years of her beating it into my brain. No, I, I never did beat it into his brain. I only tried to live what I believe. How did you, this is interesting, Jay, like you started off at the beginning of this relationship, like wanting a Mercedes, right? Like a fancy car. <laughs> and now suddenly it's just a focus of just having enough. Yeah. How How did that happen? Well, I think part of it, you know, because we did go down that path. I mean, I, I Wait, went through, say what the path Well, the was. path is, is <laughs> you know, I went through the MBA program. I was an executive in, in some uh, companies and they were paying me lots of money. And, um, and in fact, it was funny. Annie brought that up at one point about our early goals. And she was going, you know, if you wanted that Mercedes, you could buy it. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't want it now, yeah. you know? And, um, and then it was, it was just kind of, we came to a place where we said, okay, we've done this and maybe it was important to do it. We proved that we could, um, but it's not what we want to do. You know, it's not where we want our life to be. Uh, I always like to say I was in a job, I had been there 14 years and I was thinking, I've done this for 14 years. It's a good job. They pay me a lot of money. They, they tell me I'm important, you know, isn't that lovely? I could do this for another 14 years and then I'd have done it for 28 years. I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, but that did, that's not different. exactly how he came to that. So there's, <laughs> that's how I've rewritten it in my mind. That is correct. <laughs> Sometimes we get curveballs that we don't see coming. With Jay and Annie, this happened with news that they were going to be grandparents. We were still, you know, I had a job where I traveled and I, you know, made money and did all the things and we had a nice house and Jay did all his executive things and we would meet up in different parts of the world and have great rendezvous and, you know, learn things. And so then at one point I said, well, you know, Catlin's coming we got to get some land. We got to figure this out because our daughter was in Ohio. So we started to look for land. And uh, the week she was born, we bought the 38. Well, at that point, it wasn't 38, but 14 or 15 acres. So now we're going to be this family that's going to build some kind of a building on this. So our friends could come and we'd have a place to vacation because we're still living the executive lifestyle. Build our cabin in the woods and right. sit on the porch and chew our cud and tell everybody <laughs> how kids these days are no damn good. Yeah, but here was the problem. I kept saying, we this is a poor region. It's Appalachia. It's the foothills, the eastern foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And, and th this is where my people were from. So I was taught to have a pride in that. And I said, um, you know, we, we got to build something that makes a difference for people in this region, not just us. And of course, it's like building the house out of trash. You know, I had no idea what I was talking about. It just kept coming to me that that's where we ought to be with it. Because a lot of people don't even have one house. And now we're going to have two. That just seems ludicrous. So when our granddaughter was born and we bought the land, um, that was a game changer for us because we became the parents and we hadn't really seen that coming. Um, so we went between, this is a really tough situation. Well, I think you need to explain that because when she was about a week old, it, it came to be that we found out we were going to be raising her instead of just being grandparents coming to visit. Right. So that's. That's yeah, how that so it was a game changed. changer. Yeah, wow. But we vacillated between, you know, wow, how do we deal with this with our daughter and everything? And then laying in bed at night when we needed to feed her, going, could we pinch ourselves? We have a baby. Who would have thought a baby? I mean, we, it was painful and it was the delight of life. And I said to Jay at one point, you know, I could slap myself in the face for saying this, but I, you have to quit your job because it's sucking your soul out of your body and it's not a choice. And he's like, well, what would I do? And I look at this guy, this white guy with an education who speaks English as his first language, who has everything he could possibly ever need and want. And I go, you could do anything. 
I honestly think one of the biggest keys to succeeding is having someone important in your life who will tell you that you can do it. Because we all have doubts, jaded. I should also point out when she said I have to quit my job, I was saying, well, but but what about money? What about healthcare? What about security? What about retirement? All of these things. And, and of course, my lovely bride here was saying, listen, all of that is an illusion. You could walk in tomorrow and you'd be fired. You could get hurt and they won't pay for it. Everything you think is security is an illusion. So don't live your life based on, on those, that illusion. You know, because you had a lot of security. You had somebody who adores you. You had the longevity of that relationship and the history of that. You had a child who adored you. You had a credit card and you had the ability to make the payment on it. I mean, that's rich. (laughs) It is. So if you don't have that someone in your life right now telling you you can do this, then just replay the next 10 seconds of this podcast over and over and over again. And yes, it's going to help our analytics, but really it's to help you. You can do this. You absolutely can. And if you're wondering how to start, Jay and Annie have some great advice on that. If we start out with a mission statement, and we're very specific. Like when our, our granddaughter was little, uh, we would have a weekend at the beach when we were doing our annual goals and we would draw mural. So she couldn't write words, but she could draw pictures of what she wanted. And, uh, and so that became part of, she was part of that goal setting. So she got the idea of it and she was involved in some of the decisions because after she got to be about seven or eight, she would swear she hadn't agreed. So we'd always put everything on the refrigerator. (laughs) So she, when she started saying, I didn't say I'd do that. It's like, no, 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 there it is. So, so even that early, it made a difference. So we make a mission and we say, what is it we are going to do? And it's really simple. And then we identify what are all of our resources? So that's a great place to start. Put together a mission statement, choose a couple reasonable goals, maybe even draw a mural, just like Jane Annie's granddaughter did. Most importantly, post it on the refrigerator. So when your inner seven-year-old wants to duck out of your dream, You can hold yourself accountable. And then, you know, what are the goals? What, where, where do we want to go? And what are those steps? And it's really important to the brain because once you write down something, it stays there and it reminds you even when you don't think you remember, but it also gives you something to measure because when you're trying to do something or birth something, which we have done a lot of in our own careers and then in our work at Blue Rock Station, um, it's easy to get discouraged. You don't know. You you want to gain success in teeny tiny baby steps. Otherwise, you've got to go back and pick up what you left behind. But sometimes those steps are so small, you don't see change. You don't see you're succeeding. But if you have those goals written down and you're once a month looking at those goals together and having a family meeting, um, you you're able to see, whoa, we did that. I forgot we did that. We are winning. We are succeeding. Everybody's doing great. I think what what Annie's pointing out there too is, uh, and we see this a lot with people who want to get into sustainability or sustainable living. I'm sure you see the same thing where they, oh, I want to stick it to the man, build my little cabin, raise some goats, you know, plant a garden and all that. And they, they lose sight of the idea that it is a business. I mean, yeah. it is something where, when we're doing all of that, but we wrote a mission statement, we wrote a business statement, we had annual meetings about our goal setting, we have weekly or monthly meetings, you know, to see how we're doing, what, how we're meeting these objectives, short term, long term. Yeah, and you our know, financial, we look at yeah, our financial. Yeah, we look at the financial But statement. we did this before we were doing a business together. This was, this is the business plan of your life. And if you leave, if you don't do a mission and you don't have agreement with the people you're with, it's not going to work. If you have a mission and people agree 
and then you try to move forward with it, then you have a lot more chance for success. And this is about how you live. It isn't about, it isn't about, you know, having just a business, but the other part of it is if you don't do those things, the culture we live in will suck you back. It will make you think I don't have that Mercedes that the people on TV have, or my friend has my friend who doesn't have any children. Uh, you know, if you've got children while well, you're screwed for a little while or maybe a long time, <laughs> I got but, sex. Um, I'm real. But anyway, the point is that you've got to have a plan and you've got to have people who support that plan. Annie's plan began on the couch, listening to public radio. And Annie was, laying on the couch with Catlin on her stomach and listening to community radio. And the architect, Michael Reynolds, was being interviewed about the concept of Earthships. Imagine living in a home that cost you nothing to heat or cool. Imagine building this home yourself. Imagine no utility bills. Imagine Earthships. This is Michael Reynolds, the architect of the Earthship. An Earthship is a passive solar home made out of natural and recycled materials. The major building component of an Earthship is used automobile tires. An Earthship's power is generated by the sun and wind. Rain and snow is caught on the roof and funneled into a cistern. Heat comes from the sky. Water comes from the sky. Sewage can go back into biology. I mean, we don't need all these systems that men have created. It's a short clip from a Nat Geo video. I'll have a link in the description if you want to watch it. It's pretty interesting. The first beer can house was made in 1972. And I found myself fresh out of architectural school and I just said, well, hell, we build out of trees, but we don't want to get rid of them. And we want to get rid of garbage. Why don't we try to build out of garbage? It started to be kind of a contrived effort to recycle and has ended up the best way I know of to build regardless of recycling. A beer can house, a house that's made out of beer cans or old soda bottles or old used tires. It sounds too good to be true, right? You're taking your building products directly out of a landfill and then through a very simple process of just stacking beer cans on top of each other or old used tires and then covering them in plaster, you have a home. Building a home out of what was essentially garbage and this home, it's easier to heat, it's easier to cool. Why isn't everybody doing this? If I had one guess, it would be because Earthships look really different. And if history has taught us anything, it's that if something looks different, it's not accepted, at least not right away. People look at this and call it a Mad Max compound. What the heck, these people live like this? And a bunch of dirty hippies that don't know how to clean up the land. Well, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> they call it trashy. The world is not gonna build weird houses. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna argue with them. And like, like I'm not gonna argue with the people uh, dancing on the top level of the Titanic before the iceberg crash. If people don't see disaster is in their horizon, you can't convince them of that. They're gonna have to see it on their own. And I'm just making life rafts right and left. Sitting there on the couch, listening to public radio, there was something that Michael Reynolds said during this interview that really caught Annie's ear. But the main All thing was those, he said, you build out of trash, yeah, which I've been a recycler forever. People are throwing away. <laughs> so, so if you're going to do that, build the system out of, out of garbage. So she called me up at work and I was like, uh, we, we need to build a house out of tires. No, I didn't say that. I did not. Here's how it went. I said to Catlin, it's all who marketing. Was speaking, you, you, that is right. That's exactly what I'm about to say. So I'm no fool. And I know this guy and he doesn't think the same way I do. He's got to have time to process, which I do sometimes, but mostly I just know, yeah, that works or it doesn't. And I'm usually, I'm usually right. Not always. But anyway, I said to Catlin, who was sleeping, you and mama are going to build one of those. I never built a house in my life. I, I never built anything in my life other than a family. So anyway, so I called Jay up and I told him I heard this guy on the radio and it's really cool. You know, I've been saying I want to build something that makes a difference. So, you know, you're going to be in like Brazil or some such place. And so when you come back, I can arrange for us to take a little weekend class thing so we can see how it's built. And we could have a rendezvous because the other grandma can take care of the baby. And I swear to you, he only heard the word rendezvous. And so we were in. 
we went out to Taos, New right. Mexico, which is where Michael Reynolds' things are. And, right. And we looked at, you know, and it really was a matter of walking into the building and going, you know what? This feels nice. That's this what feels, Jay said first thing. This feels right. Now, we didn't really participate in the workshop because it was kind of annoying. It was uh, it was it was, it was It was sort of like... <laughs> It was it was Michael Reynolds with his disciples and his, <laughs> all of his disciples really. And they, I may be being unfair to them, but they were given off a vibe of you're in the way. We get it. We're cool. Oh, yeah. And you are never going to be as cool as we are. Part of the whole sustainability world that that I've kind of reacted against is this cultural elitist vibe of yeah. of we're saving the planet and you're, and you're part not. of the problem. You're in the way. You know? you, you're not, you're yeah. using straws. Oh my yeah. God. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and you just kind of want to go, listen, we're all hypocrites. We yeah. all, yeah. we all fail. In we're just, way. we're just mm -hmm. trying to do a little bit better. And, and maybe we're going to, it's like peeling back an onion. You remove one layer and then you see what's underneath and you go, you know what, that, let's try that one too. And mm -hmm. you just keep, and, and we've kind of taken it to an extreme, you know, living in a house. We aren't extreme. Well, we are. Plus about greenhouse. But let's say something about and... that. So when we decided that we were going to build an earthship, you know, we didn't build an earthship. We brought in contractors and offered to pay them to go to Taos. We said, this is the future. This is absolutely deconstruction and reconstruction of those materials is the future. And Jay would walk up to the site we had identified uh, for the building and they would say, is she crazy? And he'd say, no, she's actually the sanest person I know. And that's the last time we saw the person. So after about the third contractor, Jay says to me, well, Annie, you're going to have to be the contractor. And I just burst out crying because I had a little tiny kid, like was just walking I had, I was leading a women's fund and there was no, and no telephone there at all. No, and no contracting experience. Whatsoever. No, no, no. <laughs> the only thing I ever built in my life was to take the sheets my grandmother gave me and clothespin them over <laughs> the swing set so I could make a hideout for my mother. Um, so, so that was that, but he said, you're smart, you'll figure it out. So for someone who doesn't even know, we've talked about, it, it's made of trash, it's made of tires. What does an Earthship look like, and what are the key parts to an Earthship? The house itself was originally like three large U's um, made of earth pounded into tires. So the structure of it, you think of them like big 200-pound bricks of of earth with the with the form being the tire each tire is the brick yeah, yeah they're made like them bricks. In, a, in a running mm -hmm. bond like you would do with with bricks and um and you build up these walls they form the structure of the building and it just floats on the earth you know you you scrape there's no footer there's no footer required because you're dealing with flexible materials plus with with uh with an earthship because it's earth berm the the roof line becomes the frost line you know, it, it never gets below about 55 degrees inside the house in any situation, could be minus 20 outside. The thermal mass of the structure will keep everything to a minimum of about 50. When you say an earth berm, Jay, do you mean like if we picture a um, the hillside at an angle here, you notch into the hillside like that, or do you build up a burn? No, no, we, no, we always recommend with the airships. Uh, most people think, oh, I've got a south facing hill. I want to dig into the hill and build my airship. And that would be a bad situation unless you're in the desert, because then you have groundwater infiltration issues. So what we did and what we recommend is just start with a flat piece of land and build up your walls, the earth berming, um, you know, the, the tire walls. And then after it was all done, we did waterproofing and everything on the back of the tires. Well, we did it as we went up. The yeah. Wall. And then, then just had earth bermed up against pushed okay. up, you know, to create that, that thermal mass, wow. but then you don't have any kind of water 
infiltration yeah, issues. You that makes control sense. All of the water. The that other thing is when you build as you as you come up the tire as you build the tire wall, you know you're going to be up 13 feet when you get to the top of that tire wall. And if you keep building the berm. When people fall off, they don't die. You know, <laughs> in the beginning, we'd be working and somebody would disappear. And so I said, no, we're not doing that. So we had all of the waterproofing and the rigid insulation, and we just kept coming up the the, the wall. So eventually the berm was, you know, near the top. Yeah, because so. you're standing on a two-foot wide tire swinging yeah. a sledgehammer. Yeah. And, you know, one false step and, and you can take a tumble. So. Yeah, okay. Um, so anyway, after the tire walls are constructed, then of course we we put the the roof rafters on, which are supported by the tire walls. Um, put the put the roof on, and then there's a front face of the building, and so the whole front face faces south. And in our case, it's about 70 feet long, and uh, it's just traditionally framed, um, but. But Michael Reynolds' original design had it at a, um, I think it was a 40-degree uh, angle to maximize penetration of the sun. Solar through, Yeah, so in the wintertime, you get more sun. In the summertime, you get less sun. Um, that's a dumb idea, too, because <laughs> windows, windows were never designed to be at an angle like that. And over time, what you end up with is with, with double-pane insulated windows, which is, we, we ended up using patio doors um, and just set them in, in the frame. But those double panes are now sitting with different pressures on each one, and eventually they will separate because they're not um, sitting properly in their seating like they would do if they were at a 90 uh, degree yeah, angle. Yeah, okay. And, and you get one pinhole leak in there and now you're going to get condensation Plus, inside. No, you don't have insulation anymore once the yeah. gas escapes. Well, the, the Earthship that we built was basically Earthship version 1.0, which uh, when we started this, which was back in what year? 90? 96. We 96? started the house in 96. So we looked, we went to Michael Reynolds in 93, mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And, and because she had heard him on the radio, she thought he'd been doing this a lot. Turned out it was like his house. Uh, there were Dennis probably a Weavers. half a dozen. Well, he so built Dennis It, it was still house early too. on in the process. So, so his plans and things have evolved because some of his ideas were just dumb. You know, <laughs> they, were, they were architecturally stupid, and and so we have some of that legacy stuff, like a like a V-shaped roof. You know, is a dumb idea, um, and. Uh, slanted well, it front comes windows. to a V in the living room, so yeah. all the water comes to there and then exit. So we get all the water, and now we get we have a perpetual leak, which we've had if, since. If the beginning. there's a problem anywhere on the roof, there's a problem right there in the middle of the the house. So anyway, so those are some of those uh, situations. So, well, I think that's one of the beauties I think of Blue Rock Station over the years is we, we oftentimes try purposefully not to make any judgment about whether this is going to work or not. Right. We just try it. And if it doesn't work, we're very upfront about the fact that it didn't work. And that was a dumb idea. Let's try something else. Or how do we fix that? And, and people can see that. And it's on a small enough scale that it's relatable. You know, you say, because people, we, we get, there's always a lot of folks who want to tell you, you can't do something. You know, all the time. <laughs> and, and so when we first started building some of these little straw bale structures, like the straw bale chicken coop, um, and and we got all these emails from southeastern U U.S. from out in Arizona, New Mexico, saying you can't do Adobe in Ohio, and and so I'd write back, going, well, why not? And he goes, well, it doesn't work, and you're not allowed to call it Adobe because you're really doing mud plastering. Yeah. I'm like, like saying, are you guys like the Adobe police? Politically <laughs> incorrect. And, and I said, there was a software company called Adobe. I, I mean, if they can call themselves <laughs> Adobe, I think we can call. So anyway, so, so we're like, we've gotten to the stage where when people tell us you can't do it, it won't work. And we just kind of go, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, but you tough know, shit's But me. let's just do yeah. it. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you know, they're, well, almost always they're wrong because they're very certain 
but they're wrong, but it might not work for some other reason. Yeah. So we'll, we'll figure that out, but it's, it's just like, okay, it didn't work. I just want to say though, you brought up something really important in our work and that is room to fail. So we yes. live in a culture you saw me do where this. You're, <laughs> you're not allowed, you're not allowed to fail. And so with our interns, um, we have intern program. We've had nearly a hundred interns over the years and, um, and if they have not made a mistake, I tell them, not working hard enough. You're just not working hard enough. Because the one thing that we get feedback on is when there's a problem, when there's a failure, if you will, or something didn't work, or they break something, they are all the same. And they're expecting somebody to come down on them like their parent probably did and, uh, and just raise holy hell. Instead, we're like, did you get injured? Are you okay? Because we tell them, don't get injured. The only thing you're not allowed to do is injure yourself or the critters or burn the house down. <laughs> so, you know, if you think any of those things are going to happen, let's try to come up with another solution. But room to fail is power because it means you're going to try and you're going to have people standing there going, well, wait, let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. That is so No, huge. that's not going to work. Wait a minute. Not my first rodeo, you know, and it just makes all the difference. So sometimes interns come and also the classes, like the ones I do with women, we do Buffalo gals and we teach carpentry and stuff. It's a game changer for their life because they come in and they probably don't have much skill or any skill and they do something and they, they make a mistake and then they are able to correct it. And they go home going, hey, sky's the limit. No holding me back now. I can pull a nail. I can hammer something. You know, it's just a game changer when you have room to fail. I think, you know, coming from public school, I was through school through the 90s and into the thousand, early thousands. And failing in public school, that is failing is what it is, right? If failure is you failed school. That means you got to go back and redo it and everybody's mad at you and you're not smart and you're not... Failure is such a bad thing in public mm -hmm. school. And it's one of the reasons we homeschool our kids is we're afraid of that that mentality because we know from having a homestead for a decade now, we fail all the time. We make mistakes all the time. <laughs> and if we were holding ourselves back, where would we not be if we had held ourselves back because of fear? But I have to ask you guys, because we're right now in our journey, we're about to build our next family's home and... When it's something big like that, right? When it's your family's home and we're looking right now, we, the way we found you guys is taking a tour of a straw bale home that you guys were involved in, um, in here in Pennsylvania. Um, we've been looking at yurts and we've been looking at straw bale homes and earth ships and plasters and adobe and lots of these uh, different methods. You'll talk to people who are more of an expert in that field and a lot of them will tell you flat out, well, this is still something... We're all learning and we're still developing. And when you're going to invest your whole family's life in one home, how? what advice do you give to people who are scared to get it wrong, right? Like, I don't want to build my family's home and do it wrong. What advice do you have after 16 buildings on Blue Rock Station? <laughs> well, a lot of it is you just have to do it. You know, you just do it. Um, Trump, Trump, we, but wait, we always we, say build yeah. a birdhouse first. Yeah, we when we're given advice, we give advice <laughs> freely. Usually, we don't follow our own advice, <laughs> but we because um, the first project we built was the Earthship. Yeah, you know? but we didn't know that was what we. But we always done. say, bird you know, bird, bird a build, uh, build a birdhouse first, then maybe a bookcase, uh, and then yeah. build your house. You know, it's like don't mm -hmm. just because so many people come and say, I want to build my dream house say, well, what have you built? Well, I just want to learn how to do this. And I say, well, then start a little bit smaller, you know, build a little something you can get your hand because you might hate it. You might yeah. get into it and just absolutely. But also you can it. fail like crazy in a birdhouse and nobody's dying. Well, but also you know? not, one of the nice things with sustainable construction is it's very forgiving. Oh yeah. You know, you can, you can screw it up and it's usually right in the finish work. You can make everything look pretty. You know, you've you've got a whole yeah. bunch of mistakes covered over by a nice thin but layer. But you cannot of mud, change you know? physics. That's the yeah. one thing. You um, guys talked about how this house is like protecting you, right? It's a house that oh, doesn't want to friend. burn down, right? Really? What yes. else does an earth ship provide that maybe a typical stick frame home isn't providing? Sure. Well, the, of course, I mentioned that the fact that it never gets below 55 degrees, you know, 
just through no natural heat. thermal no mass. Yeah. yeah, then you don't have to worry about pipes freezing, um, you know, fish dying in the aquarium, that kind of thing, or, or your plants freezing in the wintertime if the electricity goes off, which is a big issue for a lot of people. Power goes down, you're done. Um, then the passive solar, uh, you know, if the sun is shining, it could be minus 10 outside. It'll be 70 degrees inside the wow, house. Wow, 70. With, yeah, yeah. With, with no external heat yeah. source no, whatsoever. No heat. But I just want to say that that's where every building should start from. Yeah. Is how do we create, how do we utilize the things that naturally heat and cool the building and not be thinking, all right, I'm going to have myself a heat pump and blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe you are, but that's not where you begin when you think about constructing buildings. Yeah, it's like, why doesn't every home in America face south? You know, why do we face the road? Like, that's the best view, you know? I mean, shouldn't shouldn't you be orienting, orientating your buildings based on the natural phenomenon? Why wouldn't you have wind ventings coming from the west um, when when the predominant winds are from the west or the east or wherever they are? So you say, okay, what naturally? Then another of the utilities is uh, uh, water. So the rainwater is our water source and uh, it's harvested off the roof into a 5,000 gallon tire cistern that we made. Um, we've never had any issues with water, even though we live in an area that has constant water issues because the aquifer has gone lower and lower and lower. So all our neighbors are digging deeper, deeper and deeper wells. And, mm -hmm. and we keep going, you know what? There's this thing called rain and and it falls from the sky. It's yeah, but the government amazing. has made people afraid. They say it's a poverty issue. You know, it's dirty or whatever. But we are healthy. We're the picture of health. And I and because cisterns are a living organism, a living machine full of all kinds of beneficial bacteria if they work properly. And if you don't screw around with them or a coon doesn't get in there and die or your husband dumped vinegar in it. Uh, <laughs> That's a good story. Okay, we won't even go into that. <laughs> then, then, then you don't, it, it's just beautiful. You know, the water is it's so good. You can't hardly stand to drink water anywhere else. Wow. And we've got 5,000 gallons there. Plus we collect off of other buildings, um, into rain, a few rain barrels, but we also have a huge cistern that, uh, the USDA paid for to have, um, buried, uh, in the, at the barn. But the, our cistern is actually, it does have berm. It is bermed, but then the one side of it is actually a wall of the house. But I would say that the one utility that most people comment about and that feels <laughs> is the composting toilets. Um, yes, and, yes, and this is a good one. Had, we've had the composting toilet outdoors. So we've had an outdoor and the yeah, main toilet is in the privy. And the idea, uh, people just freak out about, really, you go outside <laughs> in the middle of the winter to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, you know, it said, what do you do when it's minus five or whatever? And I always say, <laughs> Well, you don't dawdle, okay? You, um, you're you there for a purpose. And, uh, you know? You're not spending so, all the time on your phone. Some, it does take some thinking because the toilet will freeze because it's a commercial toilet. It's a Sunmar. And they are legal in Ohio. Um, as long as you don't use a certain amount of water, you're allowed to have a cistern. You're allowed to have a composting toilet. Um, and, um, so we have two, we used to have one in the house and I just hated it. So we built another privy down by one of our other cabins and it's down there. Um, and uh, anyway, it's a brilliant machine. It generates about 500 gallons yeah. of compost for us each year and we have clay soil. So any compost we can get is well worth the effort. And it's, it's honestly not a problem. You know, I mean, at least in our world, um, we have friends who it's like, they just, they won't go to the potty. They, they'll leave. They just will. Yeah. So that's something that Americans, I guess, are a little bit weird about, but, um, it's, it's just part but of wait, it. There's no door. Oh, that's so true. Explain about the, oh, that, door. the door. We have well, a beautiful view. We call it the privy with the million dollar view. So we have a fantastic Annie, view. Annie actually walked around with a chair and kept sitting down to no, where, I wanted you to where sit she down. wanted the privy to be, where it had the best view. And it sits right on, it's almost like a cliff 
looking out over the valley. And, call it a holler, Jay. Um, yeah, I know, but it's <laughs> I'm speaking generically. Um, and I always used to tease her when she would use these like appellation, like it's a holler. And I say, oh, H-O-L-L-O-W, holler. Now, how did you get that? Or or crick, C-R-E-E-K. I speak crick, Appalachian you and know? you don't. You're so, pitiful. It's anyway, sad. I'm not. I'm a Minnesota boy, I guess. Um, so anyway, so... Um, uh, Anyway, it's right on this where all the prevailing winds come. And initially, I had one, I put a door on it. It was a half door because we wanted uh, well, to see how. Yeah, half door. And the winds came and just ripped it off the building. <laughs> so then I put another door on and that got ripped off the building. And I was like, We had this, a screen door. Wait, then we had building, a screen door that yeah. was painted so you could see out, but you couldn't see in because people I, were freaking I out. I finally decided this building does not want yeah, to have it says a door. Three times it's not yeah. having a door. So, so we actually have a little. Um, flag. it's like a PVC pipe with a flag on it and you lower the flag, um, <laughs> to let people know that somebody's inside the toilet. What does uh, the flag say, Jay? Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's in three languages. Yeah, it's all, one you made up. Yeah. Occupied. Oh, yeah. Occupied, occupie, occupado, and acapupu. So, uh, <laughs> You've got to have a sense of humor. <laughs> right. so, well, we call awesome. it the insurance policy. So when people are nervous about the toilet, We'll say, well, here, nobody's going to come in. And I mean, they religiously put that thing down like, you know, it's security, homeland security. <laughs> but getting back to your question about how the building itself, you know, works and feels, because we've tried to get to zero as much as possible. I mentioned zero the, what? the zero utilities, zero net. It's actually negative carbon because it's built out of trash. Um, we yes, have and installed... it could be deconstructed and every bit of it either reused or composted. Uh, it wouldn't end up in the landfill. Yeah, and all the component pieces inside have been salvaged. You know, the woods that we use, the the sinks, uh, the cabinets, the kitchen cabinets. Um, we actually bought those from a school that was being torn down. Um, so I carried they're... the measurements for nine years in my purse <laughs> because I wanted to have stainless steel tops because I, I am famous for my housekeeping and it's not in a good way. And I wanted... Because I always feed people and I want them to see, hey, there's dust on the shelves, but this is clean. And so nine years and we went to the sale and I'm like, hey, this is the deal. Here it is. And they even delivered for us. So wow, cool. It was great. Yeah. So takes so, a plan. Um, oh, and we have installed solar, solar arrays. Mm -hmm. um, we actually had some workshops and people installed them. So so it is it is basically zero, um, you know impact on the earth and folks will oftentimes ask how much it costs you know to build an earthship which is <laughs> we have no idea yeah it's kind of gotten beyond it well and other people think there's an end to any of this you know a lot of times on the tours they'll say well how long does it take to build an earthship <laughs> yeah. and i'm like well i'll tell you when i when we're done i don't <laughs> I know i mean we've built, only been at it 20 years you know i guess at some point it'll be done but but it really isn't about that accomplishing the end. It's about the journey. The end is death. Yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. we're not going there alert. yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. But we're not going there yet. For someone who is at the very beginning, we have a lot of people listening to our show who are at the beginning of their journey. They're just dreaming. Maybe they're listening to this episode to give them some encouragement. What, what parting advice could you give someone who's maybe on the edge, right about to jump, uh, to get them started? You want to go first? No, you go. Okay. Well, the th first thing that occurred to me is just some of the feedback we get from people on tour where they come and they look at the building and, and they look at our lifestyle and they say, I don't think I could do this. This is so hard. This looks so hard. And, and I usually respond saying, do you know anyone who's had an easy life? Do you know anyone whose life is not a struggle? Uh, building a home is hard. Uh, you know, that's just the reality, but it's it's so worth it, you know, to, to have that connection to where your food comes from, to how your building keeps you warm, you know, how the electricity is delivered, all of those things. I get, I get this sense that people come down the lane to Blue Rock Station and they're looking for something. Something mm -hmm. is missing 
in their life. And they don't even know what it is. Um, but I really think it's a fact that they have become disconnected with the world that they live in. And, and it, it, the analogy I think of is, is it's like a, um, a person who, was, who never knew their parents, maybe never even knew parents existed. And there's something missing, but they don't know what it is. And so they try and fill that hole with with stuff stuff yeah with buying things or drugs and alcohol or whatever it is but it's mostly that they're just disconnected so get yourself connected i mean it's 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 worth it so it gives you something to think about so but what i would say is that when you come up to this i have this dream that i want to do this and you've done your research and you've created a basic plan. You just write down what you want to do. You don't have to be, you know, an expert at it or anything. You can think about the fact that it feels like you're standing at the Grand Canyon and you think you're going to have to step over it to get to the other side because that first step feels like that big gorge. It isn't. So you can hold your nose, squeeze your eyes shut and step forward and you'll be shocked, shocked, shocked at the payoff and whatever. go as far as you're comfortable, you know, and you may find oh, no, that you go a no. little bit further or go as to, far as you're uncomfortable. As you, yes. Till it feels like it's pinching. <laughs> Annie used to have a sign next to the toilet that inspired me. And it just said, scary is good. You can learn a lot more about that toilet, the composting toilet, the earth ship, sustainable building and building a sustainable life. If you go and listen to Jay and Annie's podcast, When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, which I just love the name, but I also love the podcast. Kay and I have been listening to it. If you enjoyed listening to these two, their advice, their wisdom, and just how much fun they have talking about the sustainable living, you will love their podcast. This was like a perfect little preview of good things to come. I'll have a link to Jay and Annie's podcast in the description of this one. So you can go over, subscribe, say hello from Homesteady. And of course, here at the end, if you're thinking to yourself, boy, I really wish this was twice as long, they all are. Every one of our podcasts are usually about twice as long as what you hear publicly. The private versions are commercial free. They're in the Pioneer Library. Become a Pioneer. Like I said, the price is going up in March. So lock in $5 a month right now or lock it in for the year-long price. You can actually save two months worth it becomes like $4 and change per month to do that. This is the last time you're going to be able to do it. Don't wait. If you've been thinking about becoming a pioneer, link below to become a pioneer, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening.